the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. They are. They are. Tomorrow night, Christmas Eve. It's an important day. That's when you get all the swag from your family members. You know, that's a good one. And then uh, Saturday is Christmas. Last night went to uh, enjoy the sacred side of, of Christmas, remembering what, you know, we're trying for people to think about during Christmas, which is the, born, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. Didn't happen on that day. We'll talk about that next half hour. But, but, at least some people trying to remember it. You know, trying to remember the reason for the season. And uh, I hope that you do remember that. But we had the uh, Christmas candlelight, the first one of four, last night at New Life Church over in Cabot. And we had a full sanctuary. Over 900 people were there. It was really, really, really uh, cool. There's just something about that when everybody has a little candle and you 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 pass the flame around, and by the time everybody has lit their candle, the whole sanctuary you can you can do whatever you wanted to do in there. It's so bright. That's and, really yeah. unique. I've never heard of four you know candlelight services all in a row. Yeah, we do all of those because we got so many people to come. You know, we get, we want everybody to be able to come. Uh, if you go to NLC uh, Cabot, New Life Church Cabot dot TV, uh, you'll find all the information there. And they'd like you just so they kind of have a feeling of how many people are going to show up at every candlelight uh, to to sign in and say, I'm coming and I'm bringing X amount of people. So if you do that, that'd be great uh, that you do it. But boy, it, it was a good service. And. James had a good message, and, um, you know, his, the title of his message is, Does He Reign? You know, we, we look at, at Scripture, and it always says that, you know, Jesus and God reigns forever. You know, but he reigns right now. And do you live that way? And it was a really, really, really good message uh, by James Bennett, who's pastor there at NLC. And Cody was there last night, his wife, and they – they welcomed everybody, and everybody, the the, the whole uh, team there did a fantastic job. Great, uh, great lights, great music. They the first piece of music they did uh, last night, Heidi, was really cool. They had a full uh, violin, cello, and bass setup orchestra, but it was all on video, and they played along with it. And they were right on, man. They had done some practice. You got that's not easy to do. All right, you know when you when you have the the uh, participants all there uh, live, if some if if one section lags a little bit, 
the maestro can kind of let the other ones lag and stay with them. And not so much when you're using video. Video is going to keep their pace no matter what your group does. But they were right on. It was really, really well done. Great job. And uh, uh, it was a a fantastic uh, experience last night. Took Eli with us. He's going to be five in February. He did pretty good. You know, for for a, a young kid sitting through, you know, the preaching and stuff, is a little bit difficult. Uh, but the music, man, he was zeroed in. He was paying attention. they do something a little bit different, and he'd stand on his chair so he could see over everybody. And, boy, he was up and checking it out, I'm just telling you. So we had a, we had a really good time. You know what was also really cool last night? I saw people last night that I have not seen in 18 months because of covid and that in and of itself was fantastic i mean stan and some of the other folks that that i ran into um we haven't had our life group because it's uh you know 55 plus hasn't met every other week like we should or at least i think we should and uh so we haven't seen each other a lot of people have been sick. A lot of people gotten sick. A lot of people gotten healthy again. Uh, and uh, it was just good to see everybody. Really, really was. Came in. They had the whole uh, outside of the, the church. Not outside. The, it was the vestibule, I guess would be the right term. Uh, was uh, had cupcakes all around it. You go up and get a cupcake. Have a cupcake. Then they... Then they served everybody hot apple cider. Now, there's nothing that says, you know, wintertime than, than hot apple cider. So I had a glass of that. That was very good. I wish they'd had some coffee, but that's okay. I'm not I'm not a complainer. And, and we just had a great time last night. I think everybody was blessed after they were there and then, uh, and then went home. And people were there with their families. Uh, from all over the United States. It was cool. Like I said, over 900 there last night. We're expecting the same, I think, for each and every one of the uh, candlelight services this year. So that's a lot of people going to hear the gospel, and that's a good thing. All right, let's get caught up on the news. If this happened last night, I was watching Brett Bear on Fox, and it broke during his show. And uh, it was announced that oral arguments are going to uh, happen uh, at the beginning of January in front of the Supreme Court. It's going to be on January 7th uh, to, uh, you know, argue over the mandates that the uh, Biden administration has put into effect. Uh, OSHA is the one that everybody's going after. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration requires that all companies with 100 or more workers mandate COVID-19 vaccination or weekly testing and masking for employees. The decision comes after the Daily Wire, as well as other petitioners, asked the Supreme Court to take up the case. Another story notes that a pair of orders accepting the uh, cases, the high court put off immediate action on the mandates until after oral arguments next month 
So we're going to finally get a a, d- a definitive answer. That's the best way to put it. A definitive answer, and it will come from the Supreme Court. This will not take until June. <laughs> we're not going to have to wait till June to hear how the Supreme Court feels on this. Uh, the Supreme Court, of course, is going to weigh in on this uh, quickly. And to be honest, I don't know which way they're going to go. I know the way that I kind of think that they're going to go, but I think it's razor thin either way. Uh, I think there's enough conservatives on the court that they're going to weigh in the in in the direction of personal freedom and say that OSHA doesn't have the right to do this. However, it will not surprise me in the least if they uh, make the decision to let the uh, mandate stand. So there's been enough things happen in the the history of this country dealing with uh, people being forced to get vaccinations that I think that there's there's a legitimate law on each side to, to argue from. So we'll just have to see, you know, how it's, uh, how it's going to uh, work out. On the story from the Daily Wire yesterday, uh, under a uh, headline of SCOTUS agrees to hear arguments on the Biden vax mandate written by Frank Camp, he said the Supreme Court announced that it would hear the challenge to the Biden administration's vaccine or test mandate with their uh, oral arguments to commence on January 7th. Well, I sure do hope that uh, the media does what they had been doing in the, in the, when they did the, the pro-life one, uh, that they air this uh, on, uh, on the radio so that you can listen to it or on television uh, as well. The mandate uh, was put out, uh, of course, started by OSHA, as I told you. Uh, On Friday, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals dissolved the stay put in place by the Fifth Circuit. Judge Jane Stanch wrote the lengthy order, which criticized the Fifth Circuit's reasoning for issuing the original state of this day. Judge uh, Larson penned the dissent, which notes that the petitioners seem likely to succeed. Petitioners say, for example, that the mandate violates the non-delegation doctrine, the Commerce Clause, and substantive due process. Some say that it violates their constitutional protected religious liberties and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. To lift the stay entirely, we would have to conclude that not one of these challenges is likely to succeed, and that would be a tall task. So the Daily Wire leaning in their coverage that they will probably find uh, for the people who don't want to be forced to take the vaccination. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this coming up in the second half hour. If you were not able to hear the Bible guys on Tuesday, We sat and talked about uh, misunderstandings about Christmas. And uh, I'm going to play that back. I want you to hear it. I think it's important. I did want to explain one thing. I don't do this to be divisive. If there's one thing I do not want to be, 
when it comes uh, to Christianity is divisive. All right. But the Christian church, about 300 years after the death of Christ, kind of went their own way because of Constantine, the Roman emperor. And they took in a lot of pagan beliefs and we should be cleaning those out and not just throwing our arms around them. And we'll talk about that from about uh, 6.35 to 7 o'clock. You won't want to miss it. If you missed it before, don't miss it this time. Know that I'm working with uh, uh, Pastor uh, Scott Stewart over at Agape. We're going to put together a little book about this. You know, the real Christmas. I mean, nothing wrong with Christmas and remembering the birth of Christ, but there's a lot of other things that surround it not so, um, you know, saintly, to say the least. Take a break, then we'll come back. We're going to do more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to talk more about the Supreme Court. There's some other things that we'd like. To, I'd like to talk about as well, bring you up to date on the news. Uh, P.I. Roofing reminds you they are ready to help you out. I know it's, it's you know, they've got plenty of dry weather in front of us. Well, that's the perfect time to get a hold of P.I. Roofing and set them up to come out to your house and to check out your roof. And make sure you don't have leaks that are developing, leaks that are there you just don't know about, or uh, you find some discoloration on the ceilings of your of one of your rooms in your home or whatever. They can help you find the leak and then repair it. Not only can they repair that, but if you need some other work uh, to repair the damage done by the leak, they are ready to help you do that as well. Call them at 707-3551. 707-3551. You heard Alan Kerr yesterday. You know, he's an insurance guy. It's the people that he wants to come out and look at your roof, if anybody comes out and looks at your roof, is P.I. Roofing. PIRoofing.com. All right, let's talk a little further about what the Supreme Court will be discussing coming up on uh, uh, the, the 7th of January. It's too bad they can't get it in a little quicker because uh, – the uh, fines start on the 10th of January. So that's why they've got to rule on this quickly. Says uh, here, the, the Sixth Circuit's decision followed an earlier vote that denied the Daily Wire's petition to hear the case on bunk or in front of the full slate of Sixth Circuit judges. The petition was denied in an 8-8 vote after which the court's chief judge, Jeffrey Sutton, slammed the Biden administration rule in a lengthy dissent from the court's decision. Let me read this out to you, because it makes a lot of sense. It is one thing, and remember, this is about OSHA. It's a federal uh, department of the government, and uh, they oversee safety and regulation. Quote, It is one thing to tell a worker to don a mask at the start of a hazard-filled shift. For instance, when I worked in the steel mills back in the 70s, about the second year that I worked in the mill uh, during the summertime, asbestos, it, it had come out that it was dangerous. And so the inside of those cauldrons that you see in the films about when they're making steel and you see them pouring 
hot molten steel into those uh, those receptacles that the crane is moving in the steel mill. The inside of those uh, particular uh, cauldrons are lined or were lined with asbestos brick. And, you know, like I, I did just uh, labor work, so I helped uh, uh, the masons all the time, and I was, you know, carrying those bricks up and down ladders uh, all day long uh, to the masons to reline those cauldrons. Well, they found out that was dangerous. So what they started to do is make us wear a respirator so that those little tiny particles that were floating around that were um, bad for us, as determined by science, uh, weren't getting into our lungs. Because once they get there, they don't disappear. They stay with you forever. So it's one thing to tell somebody you got to wear a respirator, basically. And then take it off at the end of your shift. However, it is quite another to tell a worker to vaccinate on the basis of a risk that exists whether he is on the clock or off. And that amounts to a medical procedure that cannot be removed at the end of the shift. Confirming this point, the Secretary of Labor has never imposed a vaccine mandate or, for that matter, a vaccine, a vaccinate or test mandate on American workers. I think that's going to carry a lot of weight right there. OSHA does not clearly give the secretary power to regulate all health risks and all new health hazards, largely uh, through off-site medical procedures so long as the individual goes to work and may face the hazard in the course of the work day. All right. One thing to tell somebody, you got to wear a mask while you're at work. Okay. Or, uh, you know, you got things that you want them to do while they're at work. However, when you're telling them they must be vaccinated, it doesn't just have, you know, impact on you while you're working. It also impacts on you while you're at home. I mean, you can't just can't get rid of the vaccine in your body at the end of your shift is what the justice was saying. And I thought that was uh, that's an interesting argument. I hadn't heard that one before, and I thought it was something to... Uh, to think about, and I'm sure we'll hear it uh, as far as uh, the arguments that come up in January. Like I said, I hope that we can listen to them. Listening to the the arguments against Roe v. Wade and stuff uh, here just about a month ago was really, really eye-opening to listen to the arguments that were made there and and how specious some of the arguments that were made uh, by the uh, pro-choice people have been and continue to be uh, to this day. So we're going to see in June, I think, uh, how the uh, Supreme Court, if it's going to end up back in the states to make their decision, uh, put it in their hands to make the decision on whether abortion should be legal in their particular state or not. 
So, uh, you know, states are already lining up about that. I guess you're familiar with California and what they've said. Newsom, the governor of California, said that he wants to make California a uh, abortion sanctuary. Uh, they're going to help pay for people that can't pay f- for hotel bills and stuff. They're going to help pay for those, help pay them for travel, uh, all kinds of things. So they want to be kind of like a ground zero for all abortions in the United States, I guess. I, I assume New York uh, will follow suit. Illinois probably to some extent will follow suit. But there's other states like Arkansas, Mississippi, Texas, that will not and may make abortion, except in very, very rare cases, illegal. So that's going to be a huge decision that's coming up in June. In June, we should hear about it. Got the hiccups this morning. All right, we got to get a break in. We got news coming up. And then when we come back, let's take a little closer look at Christmas, what Scripture says about it and how we should be celebrating. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It is the day before Christmas Eve, my last day for this week. Off tomorrow, off on Monday. We'll tell you about it later. I'm going to tell you what, we need a Cheesecake Factory here in Central Arkansas. I love that place. Whenever I go to uh, to Vegas, I always eat at the Cheesecake uh, Factory. Have, have you been out to Vegas to the Cheesecake Factory? Or have you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory, Heidi? You got to go. They have a chocolate cake you would die for. Because I know you're a chocolate person. You like chocolate. Uh, it is 13 layers. A 13-layer chocolate cake. Now, I will tell you this. I split it with my wife. Being a type 2 diabetic, I'd go into a coma if I ate that one. And it's a huge piece of cake uh, if I ate it all with myself. So I don't eat the whole thing. But I'm just telling you, one bite is like, stepping into heavenly places it really is i love chocolate so i like that stuff and it's got like a chocolate syrup all over Uh, it's good it's almost almost as good as a ding dong cake from two sisters almost but it's not all right don't forget about uh uh, pat davis want to save some money as far as your health insurance goes this is the way to do it you call him i'm going to give you the number again uh 501 605-6935. 605-6935. Call that number, talk to Pat, and save yourself uh, some money. Uh, 30 to 50%, in fact. I mean, just figure out how much you're paying for health insurance and take away 40%. Happy medium in, in dis- discussion. 40%. Multiply that, you know, by the months of the year, and how much money would you save? And what would you do with that money? Because it will be significant, just so you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, Pat Davis is waiting for your call. He wants to save you money. He wants to save you ever having to pay a copay again. He might even be able to get it set up so that you get a check back from the uh, the hospital or the, you know, the uh, uh, center that you go to, the urgent care center that you go to to get taken care of or even your doctor. Just keep that in mind. Be nice to get a check from them for a change, huh? So uh, you can uh, go to 501-605-6935 and talk to Pat or one of his associates. Or you can go online to Your Health Plan Man. That's one word, yourhealthplanman.com. Uh, All right, so Tuesday, 
the Bible guys were in, and I was sitting down and talking with Scott uh, Stewart, who's the pastor at Agape, Steve Hess, and, of course, uh, uh, Billy Miller, all kind of associate pastors over there. And we were talking about Christmas. And I I don't know if you ever heard this or not. There's some people that when they look at Christmas, they, and, and you, you mentioned Santa Claus, those call him Satan Claus. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I've heard that one. Uh, and, and I don't believe that that's the case, although I do think that all of us should keep in mind that Christmas is not by, about Santa Claus. It's about the birth of Christ, the birth of the Messiah. So where do we pick up, uh, Heidi? Where are we picking up under the, the, the discussion from the very beginning? Okay, so here's what we talked about. We're going to give you some biblical verses that will prove what we're saying on the air today. All right, we want you, we want you to be able to how how does the Bible put it that you should be able to worship in truth, spirit and truth, mm-hmm. in spirit, spirit and truth. Amen. That's right. So we want you to be able to worship that well. Are you willing to test what you believe against the Bible? I hope so. I mean, as a believer, because yeah. if, if you're willing to just accept a, a lot of tradition stuff. Then how do you know that it's not just tradition that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life? Mm, well, there are a lot of people these days who believe that. I know. I, mean, I, under, I understand. So I know that you didn't know this, a lot of you. I didn't know it until just a couple of years ago. Uh, Scott has been very patient with me. He's at, you answered a lot of questions, haven't you? A few. Yeah, just a few. <laughs> and uh, But I think I got a little bit more of a better grip on all of this than I used to. And I'm just telling you, uh, in the Christian church, we've replaced one tradition at times, not a tradition, but truth with tradition. That's true. That's what we've done. And I can't live with that anymore. Right. Well, and it's the the thing that Jesus picked on the Pharisees for continuously, right? You you have God's law, and yet you chose to replace it with man's tradition. So I'm always a little, always give traditions a a double look before I'm willing to participate. So. So with that... There was a field. Yes. Now, there wasn't so, a lot of just uh, agricultural land hanging around in Israel. Yeah. And in, in Jerusalem specifically. So they had a specific area yes. that these sheep were raised that were spotless. Amen. Okay. So this is a story, of course, of the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And the when the um, regarding back to this Christmas story, there was a place in uh, outside of Bethlehem uh, that the sheep that were ordained for sacrifice were raised. And the shepherds who tended them weren't regular shepherds because you needed certain type of shepherds to tend sheep that would need to be raised ceremonially pure. Because they have to know the law. Right. These were, these were priestly shepherds. There's a verse of scripture actually in the Christmas story, as it were, in Matthew. And it quotes and it says, uh, but to you, they say, let's go to Bethlehem. Um, it says, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written, this is referring to where Messiah will be born. And then it quotes, it says, but to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, uh, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They're quoting from Micah, chapter 2. And the entire verse actually says, Bethlehem Ephrata, which is an area of Bethlehem. And it says, uh, unto you it shall come uh, even the first dominion whose going forth was from everlasting, even from uh, time immemorial, or something to that effect. I can't quote it exactly. 
So when you when you look at this, um, you see that there is something going to happen in Bethlehem, and in Bethlehem is a place called. Um, actually, it says in Micah, it says, "Unto you, O tower of the flock," and then it mentions being in Bethlehem, where the tower of the flock is where uh, the Messiah will be born, uh, and um, and this tower of the flock exists in the field area where the shepherds were tending the sheep that were made for for sacrifice. And so what would happen is whenever lambing season would come, the priestly shepherds would take sheep that were being born for sacrifice, and they would take them into what is known as the tower of the flock. They would the, the, the sheep would give birth there, and they would, to make sure the sheep did not damage themselves, because remember, if the sheep was cut or nicked or hurt, it couldn't be sacrificed. So right. when, the, when the sheep was born, they would immediately wrap the sheep in a cloth to make sure that when it stood up on its legs, it wouldn't wobble and fall over. They protected it until for a few hours until it got strong enough then they could stand up. And these clothes that they would wrap the the, the, uh, the sheep in were actually uh, old priestly garments. So when the priest's garments were no longer usable by the priest, they would take them and they would cut them into cloths and they would use them to wrap the sheep that were prepared for sacrifice. So the sheep were wrapped in priestly clothes. And these priestly clothes were known as swaddling clothes. So you get the imagery here. So Jesus goes. There's not a place for them in the inn. And they're sent to a place called the Tower of the Flock, which is where uh, sheep were always born. But they were born in a ceremonially clean place. As you said, not with dung everywhere, but ceremonially clean. And the baby would be wrapped in the priestly swaddling clothes. So when the angel appeared in the heavens and said, you'll find the babe um, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, all the priestly shepherds knew exactly what the angel said. Oh, He's wrapped in the priestly clothes in the manger. He's in the tower it's of the flock. It's the Savior. And so they went there, and they found the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world, wrapped in ceremonially clean, swaddling clothes, priestly garments, ready for Since sacrifice. Since they understood the prophecies. Yes, of course they did. They understood this was Messiah. That's right. They did. They did. You would be born unto you in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And they understood exactly what that was all about. Right. They would have said Messiah, yeah. Adonai. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. When they would have said they would have completely understood the Messiah has been born. Right. Yeah. They, they didn't and, understand that he was. I mean, Jesus. Just think about it. <laughs> if, if this was just a uh, a general stable, well, guess what? Almost everybody in Bethlehem had a stable. Right. That's what I'm everybody saying. Everybody had a donkey, a horse, something. And so, how many stables would they have to go look in to find it? They would have had to search. Hundreds and hundreds of places. No, they knew exactly where to go because when the angel said, you'll find him wrapped in, bam, swaddling clothes. That was the key. They knew where he was going to be at. Okay, so let us roll back the Christian version of what's happening. Right. Okay. They show up. There's no place for them to lay down their heads and get rest. Right. Mary's ready to give birth. Yeah. He talks to uh, somebody who owns some place. Who's he talking to? Joseph. Oh, Joseph. He, he's talking to to the innkeeper. Um, but when the innkeeper says, "You know, we don't have we don't have any place here," he doesn't just point around to this this rickety barn in the back and say, "Well, you can go go back there." Because that's how people kind of see it, right? The, you have to remember the place that he was going to be born. He who he was, he was not going to be born in that in that condition. So uh, he sent to the to the tower of the flock. We don't see that necessarily in the. Uh, as clearly in the text of what we should, but you have to you have to bring the story into the culture of the day. That's what I'm trying to do right yeah. now. So people really understand what was happening at that right. time. Yeah, they're, they're sent to a special place. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll try to find. It's that not to say that the innkeeper verse. understood it was the Messiah that he was no, helping. No. He, I would say, would be like any other person. Well, I don't want to just put him in some old dingy barn. Where, where, where I well, send, yeah, him, actually, actually, send him over there? And beyond that, they would they would attempt to uh, prevent a child from being born in what are if it was just a regular old barn, barn full of animals and what animals bring with them, you, that would also be ceremonially unclean, right? Right. You're not going to you're not going to send what is potentially the birth of a son of Israel into a a room that is starts off ceremonially unclean. They mm-hmm. just wouldn't do that. Okay. Because actually, the the verse actually says I'm looking for it here. It actually says um um. It says, um, right. All right, we uh, got to get a break. Yeah. I'll let you look for it while we're okay. we're going to get a break. Uh, Steve is making a list of all the Bible verses. We're going to get this ready for you. And when I when I have it for you, I'm going to let you know about it. And I'll let you know on my my uh, my Facebook and everything else. And so you can go verse by verse and see how and what was really happening to meet all of the prophecies that Christ meant met as the Messiah. I mean, at this point now, we're at a very good point where we can say, this is for Christian and Jew. <laughs> Be honest with you. This is for Christian and Jew. For you who are Jewish and don't believe Jesus who he said he was, We'll show you who he was, who he said he was, because he met all the prophecies. So you stick with us. We got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick show. Isn't it great to get the truth? That's it. That's the key here. The truth, so you know exactly for the as best we can what would, what was the historical record that occurred here, and it's given to us in the Bible. Mary and Joseph came about seventy miles. We just did some uh, checking from Nazareth. To uh, Bethlehem. Yeah. She is going to give birth at any moment. Mm-hmm. She's ridden on a donkey. I can't imagine being a woman in labor and riding on a, uh, a, a donkey. Steve said, yeah, there's a meme out of Joseph talking to Mary the night of Jesus' birth and saying, I know, I know, I should have made a reservation. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. But anyway. Uh, anyway, the bottom line is they get to Bethlehem. There's no room at the inn. That's right. I guess there's only one, you know, holiday inn there. Yeah, Bethlehem was a was a small uh, a small place. But there, I mentioned before about uh, you know maybe what the innkeeper said. But there's no there's no, nothing in the Bible that actually talks about a conversation. It just says that that she she brought forth her son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. So there's no indication of a conversation. There's an assumption, but there's not any. Um, yeah, they got they got there late, man, yeah. and everybody had and had everybody who was born from there was returning from there. So right. the city is probably swelled up five times its regular residence size. Well, and this, and they, they this, weren't moving at the fastest speed, right? Yeah. And she's pregnant, so and let's take this now and show how important it is that we remember this because later on, Harold Herod does something. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that this all goes together. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why it's important to know the story, mm-hmm. the yeah. real story. Yeah. All right. Because Herod, Herod said, I want you to kill every kid that's, what, under two? Yeah, two years yeah. old. Two years yeah. old. Yeah. Because he knew when it happened. So it's not like they looked. They knew what they were looking for. That's yeah. right. That's right. Just so you know. But anyway, let's continue on. I'll let you pick up. No. So, um, so of course, um, once, the, uh, once the shepherds had... Um, had heard the angels again. These are priestly shepherds hearing directions. They knew exactly where to go to look for the for the particular uh, 
the Messiah, the baby, the king. Um, because as I said before, there have been there have been mangers or uh, stables um, everywhere uh, throughout the entire city, so, but they didn't rummage through every house. They knew exactly where to go because of the direction of the angel, and that brings it into context of of the uh, of the scripture. Micah tells us that Messiah will be born in in Bethlehem. So, if you that eliminates a lot of people from being the candidate for Messiah. You have to be born there. That's the city of David. That's where David was born. And so, uh, yeah. All right. Now we're up to the birth. All right. So Mary has she has the Messiah, Yeshua. All right. Not Jesus. That name is not true. It's Yeshua. Let's call him by his real name. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I, I'm the Harry Carey of talk show hosts. All right, I mispronounce people's names all the t- all the time. Uh, but I know it was Yeshua and it wasn't Jesus because you've gone into this before. There was no such thing as a J. Yeah, no J in the English at that time. Yeah. So with that in mind, Yeshua is born. Now let's talk about some of the other big things they have. We got about five minutes here. The shepherds show up. All right. So how many shepherds might there have been? Any idea? No, I no. don't know. They just it, know that they showed up. Mm-hmm. It could have been a whole bunch of them. And there yeah. was this big celestial event that went on because the angels appeared, and it was a big enough event that everybody took notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shepherds took notice. Now I don't know about the people in the town. Yeah, well, the shepherds' field is far enough away from the town that it would have been. They, the people from the town, may have seen something in the sky. But if it's a totally spiritual event, these shepherds probably just had their spirit eyes open and they saw into the spirit realm. Uh, but it was far enough away from town that it would not. And it's very hilly, so they probably wouldn't have seen it from the city. You know what's crazy about that? Is that you think about the shepherds understood who the Messiah was, but the angels didn't understand why the Messiah loved man the way he did. Mm. Yeah. They can't understand that. Mm-hmm. It says the Bible says that. Mm-hmm. We don't understand why you love this this creation. Let me, uh, let me give this okay. timetable. Okay. okay. Here, we're going we're gonna to give you some Bible verses and stuff so you can do this. We need to put a book together. Wow. What to really teach your kids about Christmas. <laughs> I'm nope. just saying it would be a great book. It would yeah, be a great book. It would. It's gonna, go ahead. Okay. So it it's you got to put together a couple places. First, you got to go to Luke 1, and because this is where everything starts. And this is where the angel showed up to Zacharias and began to tell him, right? But there's a key thing that nobody ever catches, and it says that the angel appeared to Zacharias when he was in the time of his order, which was the order of Abiyah. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, you got to go to First Chronicles chapter 24. And what that tells us is when this happened. And the, the order of Abiyah was the eighth order. And and again, you got to go to first, just read all of Luke 1 and then read First Chronicles 24, chapter 10. And when he showed up, this eighth order would have been since the beginning of the year starts around. I'm going to use simple time. The first of April, this would have been at the end of July when the angel would have showed about the second week of July is when he would have showed up to uh, Zacharias to say, hey, you're going to have a son. And it was going to be the birth of John the Baptist. Right. All right. So then at the end of it. He leaves, and then Mary, I'm sorry, Mary, then Elizabeth conceives. This is the only thing that we have to assume. Everything else is dated. We have to assume that right after his order, they conceived the child. That's the only thing of assumption. And so that would have been in the first week of August. And then that would have been her first month. And then if you go to uh, Luke one twenty six, it says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said, hey, your cousin who's in her sixth month is with a child. Go to her. 
So now we establish that time frame, which would have been January the 1st. Because Mary at that time was probably starting to freak out. Well, because she, right. <laughs> she's, being, she's not married and she's pregnant. Right. She, he's being saying, he's saying, now you're going to have the child. And oh, by the way, Elizabeth and her six months go to her. Well, three months later, Elizabeth has her child, which would have been at the end of March, the 1st of April, which is when Passover is. And Jewish tradition says that Elijah was going to come during the time of Passover. Yeah. So Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist, comes when Jewish tradition says he would come. So now, since Mary was in her first month in January, take that nine months later, it takes you to September, right? And what happens in September? Tabernacles, the fall feast. That's when all of that stuff begins. So that's the thumbnail. I know we have a very short schedule. Which makes John chapter 1 make sense, where he came and tabernacled with. That's John 1.14. Thank you. Uh, It actually uses that word, um, and that puts it in its proper context, right? It's not just saying he came to earth to, to dwell with us for a period of time. No, it says he came... And tabernacled, which is a very specific word, um, which would point directly at tabernacles. And why is this important? Because the temple of Solomon, (laughs) the temple of Solomon was dedicated during tabernacles, Mm -hmm. which is when the spirit of the Lord fell, right? When the presence of the Lord came, when he tabernacled amongst the second temple was rededicated during the time of tabernacles. Hanukkah was rededicated not during the time of tabernacles, but in the spirit of tabernacles, meaning eight days as well. Wow. Learned a lot in a very short period of time with those guys. It was amazing. And there's a lot more amazing things that you probably have never been taught. And you really need to to know them because I want to be honest with you. Knowing all of this enriches everything that you believe. It really, really does. Think about that. Christ was born during tabernacles when the Lord dwelt with the people for the first time when the temple was put together. What's the illustration there? I mean, seriously. I mean, it gets me excited. So I wanted to share it, and I am talking to Scott about putting this together in a book form. I just think that it needs to be done. I'm going to talk to our publisher and see if uh, they'd be interested. And I, I think it should be what every family should know about Christmas because it's just not taught. It isn't. All right. We'll be back after the news at the top of the hour. I'll be uh, Joe and, and Duck are going to be here. We're going to talk about cars. Stick with me. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Ding dong, ding dong. Christmas bells are ringing. Christmas rushes through, but I still have one wish to make, a special one for you. I gotta tell you, seriously, voice of an angel, Karen Carpenter, boy, she could sing. Played, I mean, look, she sat behind the drums most of the time, all right, that's what she played. Not a great... Well, I don't. I can't say she's not a great drummer, 
I don't think that you know. I don't think that she was Bonham of uh, you know Led Zeppelin or anything. I'm just saying she just a way figure that she had, but boy, she could sing. I like to listen to her voice. Yep. I'm looking over and we got uh, Joe here, and we've got, of course, Duck is here. He's trying to read uh, his uh, questions that I gave him, and his arm's not long enough. Yeah, can you hold this over by you? <laughs> Somebody he forgot, forgot his glasses today, and that makes it tough for him. What can I tell you? All right. Merry Christmas, guys. I'll say that to you right you now. And I'll say it to you again before you leave. I hope that you're all prepared for the holiday and that you're going to have some good times. Best we can be. All right. We're ready to go on uh, Saturday morning. How much money did you spend? Not on gifts, because I know that people tend to come to your house. And, Doc, I know people come to your house. How much money did you spend on, on food? Uh, I, can, I can tell you because I bought it yesterday, so well, I know. I bought it, we went and bought it uh, Tuesday afternoon. And, okay. Uh, it was a couple hundred dollars, I think. Yeah. Same here. $178.65. Well, I asked, <laughs> I asked Russell and Nasley and Minley and uh, Blake and Emily, I said, Do you, your mom wants to know if y'all want to. A tradition, big, yeah, yeah, big meal. Christmas dinner, or you want something else? And so they voted to have ribeye steaks. So we're going to have ribeye steaks and baked potato and a green bean casserole. And Did they give you a chef's hat so that you could cook them? Uh, no, I'm at Russell cook them. <laughs> Dave, I got a hurt leg. I can't. Stand I know. Out there. I, I would be milking that baby. I got I a hurt leg. A, I can't stand out there. Yeah, grill. I leave me alone. Don't don't treat me like an invalid. But when it comes time to do the steaks, oh man, I can't be saying nothing. Yeah, I could hear that. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna come over Friday afternoon and cook them. And uh, his mama she'll make the green bean casserole and oh, yeah. she's making something else. Uh, that sounds like you know that sounds like a big special Christmas meal to me. I'll tell you what we're having in just a moment. I got to turn to Joe. Yeah, you're using your barbecue or you doing ribs? No. Oh, you're not. No, what are you we, doing? We do uh, Christmas breakfast. Oh, okay. And the grandkids and the great grandkids get to eat green eggs and uh, ham and biscuits and gravy. That's our. Hey, that's that that's sounds it. great to me too. Does yeah. Doctor Seuss show up? Oh no, he passed that's away. The he can't show. It's, it's a kind of a playoff on that. I know. I understand. <laughs> I have a couple of cousins who do a Christmas breakfast, and then when they come to my grandma's house for lunch or, you know, late lunch, they're already full, so their plates are super small at yeah. grandma's yeah, house. I bet. I bet. That Christmas breakfast is good, because typically breakfast comes earlier <laughs> on yeah. Christmas Day if there's kids involved. Oh, yeah. I mean, crack of dawn, we were told by my dad you couldn't get up until the crack of dawn. <laughs> had to wait for the sun to come up yeah and you better you better stay in your room and not go out to peek to see what santa brought yeah because he would know and then you were stealing christmas from him because he didn't get to see your face yeah and i had excited a, i had a sister that her birthday was on the 25th of december so we well she, she got screwed didn't she well she all she grabbed to my mother and she said this ain't fair everybody else gets to have a birthday cake my mother made everybody a birthday cake yeah she said, but Christmas, so all we ever have, so it started out, my mother would would make a birthday cake, and we'd have to have birthday cake and ice cream and, and presents for her. That's and breakfast, then, right? And then, no, that was lunch, and then we oh, had Christmas okay. supper. 
Okay. Well, that's I mean, cool. You know, but but my sister always grabbed. I don't never get to have a birthday party, so well, we it, was. I was about ten or eleven when she started that. That we had to have birthday party at lunch, and then we had Christmas dinner. Well, when we when I was a kid, uh, breakfast on on Christmas morning was we'd go see what we got, start playing with it or whatever, and then Dad would call us and he would uh, cook up some sausage and it was not jimmy dean sausage it yeah it wasn't even around then uh and he made pancakes mm-hmm. and that was that was big christmas uh breakfast for us and we all always liked that pancakes your dad was was good at that stuff mm-hmm. but uh i still did that with my own kids when they were growing up and now they do it with their kids because i don't ask that my kids be at my house on christmas day I think we're that, having ours on on Friday you know, night because yeah. Russell and Ashley's got to go to her mother's on Saturday, and Blake and Emily, you know, go there. So we always have, you know, we've been having ours the last few years on Friday night, so they can all go where they need to go. So that can get crazy. Oh yeah, you know when, and I'll tell you what really gets crazy, and and nobody wants to get a divorce, but I'll tell you what, when you when your children, some of them are born from a different woman than the woman you're married to and you're all celebrating Christmas, and you're trying to meet their timetable, your timetable, our timetable, yep. it gets to be a mess at times. It really, really does. It's it, tough. It gets really complicated. Yeah. And, and and I don't. I try not to make it complicated. I have one set of in-laws who will go unsaid, but they they demand. I mean, uh, the the husband's mother will put them through a huge guilt process about not coming home for Christmas. And it just causes problems. And But she don't care. I want my kids home for Christmas. Kind of, yeah. to me, dis, dissuades the whole idea of Christmas and, and the idea of charity and, and sharing and things of that nature. But that's what she's like. Well, my mother had nine kids. My mom and dad had nine kids. So you can imagine when we all got older and all got to having kids. And it was crazy. It wasn't nothing nothing to be 40 or 50 people at my mother's house. I feel sorry for her right now. But she made my favorite coconut cream pie. She always made two or three of them and two or three pecan pies. She's still around? Nope. Nope. She's been dead now for few years probably 12 years her and my dad both so has is your does your wife make coconut cream pie try we'll pass on that day. <laughs> he refuses I hope she's to not comment. listening i swear <laughs> i don't I want to incriminate myself <laughs> okay all right <laughs> she well, might be awake <laughs> enough about christmas <laughs> before i get somebody in trouble here anything special that you like to have on christmas my dad strangest thing he wanted to when we were playing with our toys he'd sit on the couch open up a can of sardines and eat sardines and watch us playing with our christmas toys i mean think about that six o'clock in the freaking morning he's eating sardines i don't know i can't even eat sardines at six o'clock at night that's what i was going to say i don't know how he ate them (laughs) he had the little key you know and he put it oh yeah put it in a roll the lid roll the lid back and everything he put a little mustard in there. Mm-hmm. He is a hardcore World War II veteran. That's what I'll right. say to you. <laughs> Teresa, 
I took her to the store last night. She said, I need to take me to the store. I took her up to uh, Kroger there in Benton, and she went in about five minutes to come back out. And I said, you don't got nothing in your hands. She said, they have no coconut. She was going to make me a coconut cake. Well, that's not what the president said yesterday. He said the shelves are full. They have no coconut, and they have no powdered sugar. No powdered sugar? Yep. You can't have Christmas without powdered sugar. And the, the woman at Kroger told us, she said, we will get a truck in today and maybe it'll be on it. I mean, how you make your divinity? Mm. You got to have powder. She was going to make sugar. a coconut cake. She can make uh-huh. that real good. Pies. See how he got out of that? Yeah. Yeah. He can, yeah. Well, that's nice because he just gave yeah. her a great compliment. That's she right. can make a She can make a great <laughs> coconut cake. Yeah. But she was going to make some coconut cookies or something other my granddaughter likes some kind of coconut cookies she was gonna make him so she said i'll try to find the day so i may have to leave her and go to sam see if they got any okay who knows there's no telling yep but the supply chain is full mm. the, the white house saved christmas that's what they said yesterday yeah biden was talking about yesterday you know the all the stores are full I told her, I said, he ain't been to a grocery store in 40 years, so he, he don't even got no idea. See, they don't make any, they don't make fun of that with Biden or any other president than George Bush Sr. You remember what happened to him? He went into a, a, a supermarket, and he had never seen him scan stuff before, and he made a big deal about it, and like everybody else knew about it, because we go to the store every yeah. week, two, three times, Uh and they they just they said how out of touch he was. Well, find out how out of touch any politician is. It's been a politician for any length of time. See how much they know about the car they ride in. They ride in it because they don't drive it, most of them. No, they don't. Have you and seen, if you're president, you don't drive. No, Have you you're seen not the allowed new, to. That's right. <laughs> Have you seen the new GM Which vehicle? One? It's going to drive itself. The EVS. Uh, no, this is a gas burner. It's, oh. This is not the electric. It's, it's coming out. This 22. is an autonomous. What, what's the what's the letter they're going to use for that? Just an A. Uh, <laughs> so it's just the car driving stuff. Just use an A. I, uh, GM's been they've been uh, promoting it on TV and stuff. It's and it's in a pickup. The guys. Okay, so I've pickup. seen that on television where they're doing "We Shall We Will Rock You." Yep. Okay. And they but they say you still got to touch the steering wheel ever four or five minutes. Yeah, they I don't want you to try sure to drive asleep. down the road. <laughs> I'd be taking me a nap. Wake me up when we get there. My favorite one that they do is the one with Tebow. Have you seen with Tebow? Yep. And the guy says, here, let me drive. They, they told me you can't hit a curve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking Dave, about when he's playing Dave, baseball. We're going to put curve, in, uh, curve finders on it with a little center on the end. Of, oh, too it's close. It's all coming up, man. It's all going to be there. We've been talking. We talked so much about autonomous cars. We kind of moved away from it when they were making uh, <laughs> making so much uh, uh, hay about EVS or electric vehicles. And um, that's what they've been talking about so much now. Did you hear what the president said the new CAFE standards are for twenty by 2025? Mm-mm. 50 miles per gallon. Good luck. That's what I said. Dang it, I am. Well, they're going to make the car completely out of, like, helium or something. <laughs> it's got to be light. Well, this truck I got now... It's got the six two in it. But it was getting around seventeen eight, eighteen. That's a long way from fifty. 
and it's all at once it's dropped down to 15.4 15.6 okay but now, now you got to understand i got a bad heavy foot it's not know? new it's not new anymore plus you don't drive on a perfectly flat surface well it's got um about 2200 miles on it all right. 20, uh, 2,200 miles, excuse me. All right, let's take a break. We will come back and we'll talk uh, car some. All right. Uh, now you know, Joe, Joe's what? He's wanting to get away from Christmas celebrations and me all too. that. No, I'm good with it. <laughs> we'll, come back. we'll come back, talk about that here in a moment. Let's talk a little bit about Bumper to Bumper. They make this show possible, they make uh, the car and truck doctors possible on Saturdays, by the way. Uh, best of for the uh, car and truck doctors this Saturday and next Saturday because of the holidays. And then we'll get back uh, rolling with it again in January. Cool. Better be coming up. So um, let's talk about bumper to bumper. Uh, I guess they're excited that they heard that the uh, supply chain has been miraculously healed itself. over yeah, the last well, couple of weeks. <laughs> you can you can say it, but if you go into the stores, you can see it's not true. But anyway, it's... Uh, well, don't believe your eyes, Joe. Yeah. Well, go, go, go into a Dollar General store if you think they ain't hurting. Usually this time of year, the shelves are full of Christmas stuff, Christmas trees. Dollar General store didn't have no Christmas trees this year to sell. Wow. You know, they usually always you know, I got from the that, short ones to the big ones. They usually have, you know, there's always stores that have live ones. Mm-hmm. You, you can't find live ones because they can't get them shipped to them. There's one over, there's a Christmas tree place over on uh, uh, Rodney Perrin where I go to get my allergy shot at. There's church there's got one. And, and But usually the whole parking lot's full. They may have a couple, maybe 100 trees. Well, Kroger and Cabot had some. Not yeah. a lot. If you need a Christmas tree, you go to Romance Christmas Tree Farm and you can well, walk out great. through the grass and pick out the one you Beautiful. want. They'll cut it for you They'll right cut there it and shake it and wrap and it. And they've got hundreds of them because I drive by it every day and look at it. Same way down at uh, yep. going across two seventy, going over to Pine Bluff. That guy down there, he's got probably forty acres full of them. Yeah. And they'll cut them and shake them and put them in the bag for you. Mm-hmm. Explain why they shake them. Because mm, you don't want something in your house that's in there. <laughs> bugs. Yeah, bugs. Bugs. Snake. Yeah. And they want to shake, you want to shake off some of the extra needles that yeah, may well, have gotten You know, the needles loose. shed all the time. And they cut them all the time, too. That's how they get that shape. They go out there and cut them. Oh, yeah. yeah they these, trim they, them up. And these trees are trimmed. They look like perfect points. Yeah. yeah. I, I laugh about I don't have. I've got an artificial tree. I made mm-hmm. that move a long time ago, and typically what it was is that in July, mm-hmm. I would find a Christmas tree needle somewhere embedded in my carpet, <laughs> and there ain't nothing like find stepping on one foot. of those. That's yeah. right, when well, you just have to be walking around. Well, my wife's got three up this year. Real ones? No, they're all, they're all artificial. Okay. She had one, uh, her mother's one. Remember the old silver tree that had the light up on the Oh, yeah, the aluminum tree. And she had it for years, at, you know, after her mother went into assisted living. And uh, her brother's wife, Pam. With the, uh, with the color wheel. Yeah, and it still had the original bub in it, Dave. Oh, my God. And it worked perfect. So, you, her, so you're really, you know, destroying the world. So you got a regular incandescent bulb in it. So her brother's wife, she Teresa asked her, would she like to have it for a while? She said, oh, yes. She puts it up every year. Puts it over in the corner. And That's puts the cool, wheel on though. It. That's cool. 
Uh, the first ones, though, were so pathetic. Oh. I mean, it had like eight branches. <laughs> you remember you, you had the tube, you slid down. The, yes. You slid, you put all the, because the, my mother and dad had one, and, and all of us kids had to take it down. We, you know, you had to put all the you know sleeves on them and everything, and oh, it was a pain, but <laughs> but it was nice. All right. So I got a customer, Joe, that come by the shop yesterday. Could they bumper to, to bumper. Tell me about bumper to bumper first. Bumper to bumper. Uh, they're good people. They take good care of us. They're like everybody else. You know, we're all having trouble getting parts, ain't we, Joe? Yeah, it's getting better, though. I think uh, it's better than what it was a month ago. That's correct. And, you and know, they'll bumper, keep trying to make it the best that they can. Sure. They've got the best best prices, the best parts, and the best service. What bumper to bumper. And the best warranty. All right. Break more here at Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. We might talk about that next half hour with both of you guys being uh, involved with cars and trucks and stuff and you know, what that truck driver out in Colorado ran into. 110 years? Uh-uh. You didn't hear about that, Heidi? You remember last year the truck driver ran into the, uh, uh, just a bunch of cars on the highway. I think it's I-70, if I'm not mistaken. And he ran into them and killed four people. And Side. it all burned up and trucks burned and cars burned and all. They, they found him guilty. Of manslaughter, I think, and they gave him 110 years in Four prison. Four counts of manslaughter. Yeah, 110 years in prison. We'll talk about this next half hour. So, we'll mm-hmm. talk about it. Let's discuss this. What we're discussing, John. Yeah, go ahead. This. One of the customers. He he listened to us on the radio, <laughs> but he drives a concrete truck, so he said, "I can't call." So he come by the shop yesterday. He's got a, I think it's an O four, F two F one fifty four truck gas burner. He said my cruise is not working no more. He said I can hit the cruise on. The light will come on on the dash telling me that it's on. He said, but I can't set it. He said, so we get to talking, and and I, uh, Blake was standing there. I told Blake, I said, get the computer, and let's walk out here. So we walk out there, and Blake plugs it up and turns it on, and it comes on. He hits the brake pedal to make sure that it's telling, you know, the brake pedal's not working. You know, the brake switch is not working. All that's working, and it gets down and hits the resume or the set, and it don't it don't come up on the computer telling you that it's, it's working. He said, well, I bought a new switch, but I can't figure out how to get it in. I said, well, it ain't the switch. You need a clock spring in the steering wheel. And so he, he gets to talking. He said, well, how much trouble that to put in? I said, well, you got to have a deal to pull the steering wheel off. you got to have a deal to pull the lock pin out of it. He said, he looked at me. He said, I'll see you at Christmas. Yeah, cruise control is one of the things that uh, any any switches on the steering wheel go through the, the clock spring, which is a continuous contact spring. Even the airbag module. Yep. But all those switches on it, if they're on the steering wheel, go through that. Uh, and they wear out because you turn the wheel back and forth, and after age says that the, the contact spring is going to wear out, and when it does that, it'll lose certain functions. And uh, they're kind of pricey to put in sometimes, but that's the world we live in because uh, you need a good clock spring in there because if, if it's bad and you got an airbag light on, that airbag light's on telling you there's a problem. If it is a clock spring, the driver's side airbag's not going to it's not going to deploy that's correct you know so you know and we were discussing it and i said look just bring it to me hour and a half my guy have you back on the road and he said well i'll drop it off one day next week when i go to work and be sitting in front of your building so i went to get a clock spring yesterday and had to order it nobody had one yeah well that's kind of old so you know yeah so you know 
He'll he'll just have to wait for it to come in and fix it. That's yeah, all. they said I they said I should have it on Tuesday. So that'd be good. You know, and I bought a motorcraft one. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Bill O'Reilly's up next, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about this truck driver. One hundred and ten years. I don't agree with that sentence. And the governor doesn't agree with it. And there's something in in, uh, Colorado law that will let them resentence this guy. So we'll have to talk about that and see what you all think about it. You know cars and trucks. All right. So when you need a tow, here's what you need to do. In your phone, you should have towing. You should have something towing. And it should be East End Towing. And it should be their phone number. So that you can call them directly and they'll come out and get you. It's uh, 501-888-8849. Now, they understand towing. Uh, they belong to the Arkansas Tow and Re- uh, Recovery Board. They're licensed. They're insured. Don't let anybody tow your car if they tell you they're not insured. Don't even let them sniff at your car. Uh, each truck uh, that uh, has the East End Towing logo is permitted as well uh, they understand towing they understand private property tows they understand that if the situation is that your car broke down on the side of the highway now that's one thing but what if your car breaks down on the side of the highway and you're towing your boat or you're towing your trailer things change at that moment and uh, maybe you got a truck that changes things big time so go with the folks that no matter what the situation, they can handle it. And that's East End Towing, again, 501-888-8849. All right, guys. Let's talk about what happened out in Colorado. This happened last year. Guy's driving his truck, uh, coming into Denver, Colorado, and uh, brakes failed on the truck. He's coming down a, a mountain. Not a foothill like Arkansas, a mountain, all right? And yeah, we're talking about a 10,000. Yeah, we're mountain. talking something that you're coming down for a long way, maybe a mile and a half coming down. Most of them out there are seven, eight miles. All right, so they're trying to get, you're trying to get uh, you know, down the mountain. Your brakes go out. You don't know that there is a wreck up ahead of you. You don't know it exists up there. You're trying to slow down. I'm sure he's downshifting, and he's looking for a way to get off the freaking highway. And he can't because there's there's 18-wheelers off on the side, and so there's no room for him. He plowed into the wreck. Four people were killed. You know, tens of thousands of dollars of property was destroyed. And uh, he was found guilty of four counts of manslaughter. And uh, sentenced to 110 years in prison. So I got a question: that did the judge give him that, or did the jury give him that? I I'm assuming it was the uh, the jury. They were given the instructions, and then they, I guess they Went came up there. with it. Yeah. But the bottom line is, I I got a hard time believing anybody in a traffic accident is should be found guilty uh, in such a way that they get 110 years in prison. And he was an owner-operator. And you know what? It, those uh, those uh, sentences weren't to run side by side. They run concurrently. Really? As one runs out, the next one starts. You'd very seldom hear him do that. Yeah. So, Joe, you're saying that you've read that 
truck. It, it, this is really this is an injustice, and the, and the governor is going to intervene in it. But the bottom line is, is that they're saying that uh, uh, truckers from across the United States that have to go through co- uh, Colorado saying they won't go through Colorado. That's fact. They're boycotting it. That's it. So um, there's going to be a lot of places in Colorado that aren't getting deliveries. Now, ex- explain yeah. what, Doc, during the break, you were talking about what you thought happened. You're our our diesel expert here on the Dave well, Ellswick Show. What do you think happened? What I think happened was he went offside the hill, and traffic probably started slowing down. He rode the brakes a little too long. The drums ex- expanded. They yeah, get hot. hot and span. Uh, the oil starts coming out of the brake shoes. He lost all his brakes. He he was true. He probably did not have no brakes when he got down to the bottom. And once your drums expand, and and probably now you could go back and check them right now since the wreck, and the drums has cooled off, and the brakes are in adjustment. You got you got on brake chamber, which truck drivers know what I'm talking about. You got a, the maximum travel you can have on a brake chamber on a cam that makes the brake shoes go out is an inch and a half. Okay, but when they get hot and expand, and and you don't think about this, but they'll expand a quarter of an inch, Dave, or maybe some of them a little bit more than that. If it's the cheap drums, they'll expand more than that. So you got an inch and a half travel on your on your cam, then it expands a quarter of an inch. That makes you got a three inch travel, and it won't. You don't have no brakes, and you can push on that pedal on the floor all you want. But it's running them out far as they'll go, and they're not going to stop. And that's what happened. He, he, the traffic probably they had a wreck down at the bottom. The traffic was probably running slow, and uh, I don't know if he had his jake brake on or not. Nobody knows because it all burned up, so you can't tell. Um, but most likely, the shoes got hot. Okay, for a listener, what the heck is a jake brake? It's it's an engine brake on a diesel. Yes, yeah, engine brake, and all it does is hold the exhaust valve closed, so it'll slow the engine. Slow the truck speed down. My motorhome's got one, and I use it all the time. It stays on all the time. Is that when you hear him out on the road going? That's it. That's it. And and most of them nowadays they've got them. They've. It used to be it it was a company called Jacob, Jake Brake. That that's where came up with the idea. Yes, that's they come up with the idea on the old Cummins and old Detroits and old Max and the old caterpillars and stuff but now they it's a totally different setup now it works it works the same way but it's set up different where a lot of your trucks that come on automatically when you let up on the gas or touch the brake they'll come on automatically and which is a good thing so you don't have to worry about turning them off and on but some of the newer trucks do have a deal you can turn them off my motorhome has a switch i can switch it off and some of the newer trucks do too but i doubt if he had it off because he you know he was probably a pre-season truck driver but the drums got hot they swelled the oil come out of the brake shoes and there was nowhere to go and no yeah yeah you just don't you ain't like a car you can't just stick it in a little short place you know (laughs) yeah you you gotta have well if 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 he'd have known at the bottom of the hill that there was another wreck and the traffic was stopped it would have been a completely different situation he'd have probably run off in the medium or Mm -hmm. you know or he'd have figured something else out but he rounded the corner and hoops and that's what it was. He came yeah. over a hill, mm-hmm. and in front of him was, was a dead stop. Yeah. Is what happened. It's an accident. Yeah. It's, it's exactly what it was. Now, you were talking, we see these, if you go up to Branson, 
There, I think there's one. Yep. Where you can get off of the road Up if you're in truck and Leslie. Yeah, and you can get yourself stopped. Now he's an owner operator. That means he's he's taking all the cost on himself. He has to foot the bill, the record bill. Correct. Most of the time, Dave, the ones that I've talked to that's got them pulled out of them pits, it's ten to twelve thousand dollars get you pulled out because usually it takes two to three records to pull you out. Those pits are designed; they're made out of real small gravel, to where when you hit them, you sink, and they'll sink all the way up to the frame rails. And it does damage under there too. Yeah. Yeah, it does damage to the truck. Yeah, usually it gets the front bumper and you know and gets a few other things, but usually it's ten or twelve thousand dollars get one pulled out of a gravel pit. All right. Now a lot of the families that lost loved ones because of this wreck lost property because of the wreck are all screaming that this is and this is an unjust uh, punishment 110 years i mean look there's guys that are out there and women that are you know pedophiles don't get that kind of of a, of a prison sentence there's been people that's killed hundreds of people and nobody's ever got 110 years for a manslaughter charge yeah, well, you know, there's folks out there that have used a firearm to uh, shoot people in the back of the head and execute them, and they don't they don't get that kind of no, sense. absolutely yeah. not. So it looks like the uh, the governor is going to intervene, which by Colorado law he can in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. I don't understand Colorado law. I, I'm not I'm not licensed to practice out there or anything, but I can just tell you that. They say that the governor can get involved, and they expect that he's going to um, drop this completely off this guy's record. Because he doesn't have any record. I couldn't figure out if the judge imposed the sentence or the the jury imposed the sentence. That's what – and I've got nobody to tell me which one did it. So So we got a break coming up. I'll take a look. I should be able to find some stories on it, find out why they gave 110 years for this guy. He's just – I mean, he he stood in front of the the judge and pled with the judge, and he said, "I don't, I I've never broken a law in my whole life, and I didn't break a law here. It was an accident, and you're going to get you're going to put me away for forever. You know, I'm never going to get out of prison." Yeah, he'll he'll die in there before the sentence runs out. Yeah, even though he is younger, but he'll still die before the sentence runs out. Well, the sentence is not running. uh, What is it? uh, Side by side consecutively yeah uh, they're running concurrently that means that as one ends then the next one starts over, yeah so when they say 110 years they mean 110 years well there's some people that live longer than that but uh, not a lot and he looks to be in his late 20s early 30s might I be think he his, was in his mid-30s okay you know so uh, it's not i'm pretty sure he won't live until he's 150 years old no all right so anyway, kind of an interesting, it's an interesting story, and uh, I'm sure there's a Somebody's got to step in and help this guy. Yeah. Oh, I, it's going it's to, needs to be the governor. He needs yes. to step in. And I'll tell you what, it won't be about justice. I'm just telling you, it won't be about justice. They will look at what the polling numbers say. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, uh, yeah. you know, if he lets him go, how many people won't vote for him? And if he, if he lets the guy out. How many people vote for him? That's what it's going to come down to. And how much how much uh, positive uh, press will I get versus negative? I'm, I'm sorry. That's just the way politics is. Mm-hmm. But I believe if he does, he'll get a bunch of positive 
back from it. I would think so. He should, if people pay any attention to it. I mean, look, people got hard on about truck drivers anyway. Yes. They think any wreck that a truck is involved with, it was the truck's fault. Not true. I've watched and Dave, cars cut people off in eight, trucks left and right. Eighty percent of the wrecks that truck drivers have, it's a car's fault. Yeah, people just don't realize truck can't be driven like a car. You can't wiggle and wobble it because it'll wobble and turn over on you. <laughs> it don't stop fast either. Mm. A lot of people think it does. The, the the last great addition to trucks, as far as I'm concerned, is the bar they put on the end of the trailer. Yeah. They keep you from going underneath and getting your head torn off. has to be 30 inches off the ground. Yeah, and it's that way because so many people got decapitated yep. running into the back end of trucks. And now they're discussing about lowering that down to 24 inches. Oh, really catching the front of the car completely then. Yeah, well, the cars are getting smaller. You got so many yeah. of these little Honda cars and Hyundai cars that... They're discussing about all anything, I think, made in 2022 is going to be 24 inches off the ground. Did you happen to see uh, the video <laughs> that was making its way around of the car? That I don't know how they did it. They were on the interstate, and they got themselves wedged under the, the, the tractor trailer's trailer in the middle, and it was dragging them down the road. <laughs> Have you I seen that one? That yeah, was incredible. I seen one yesterday, a video. One of the guys at the shop was showing me this guy on a motorcycle, boy, an 18-wheeler, hit him in the back end. Oh. Threw him off to the shoulder, and his motorcycle was stuck, in the, and it looked like he was still sitting on the motorcycle in front of the truck. Truck was pushing him down the interstate. Wow. But it didn't hurt the guy, Dave. Yeah, I just tell you this. I bet you... He had to change his pants. <laughs> I bet he don't ride. It was over no with it. I'm just saying. All right, let's take a break. It's about 12 minutes uh, to eight. I got Joe and Duck here. There was an interesting discussion about that case. I'll look up uh, whether it was a judge to impose a sentence here on the Dave Ellswick show. Uh, we got more uh, coming your way. Want to remind you uh, that uh, David Lucas wants you to remember that he understands a lot of you are concerned about inflation and uh, the lowering of the the price of the dollar and and all the things that are going on in the economy. And uh, you may be considering trying to supplement your retirement account with some gold and silver. And that's probably a good idea, but you got to know what you're doing. And my suggestion is called David Lucas Financial at uh, 501-222-3315 and let them explain to you how to do it and put you in touch with uh, one of the only uh, regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country that sells gold and silver, so you get direct prices from a dealer that you can uh, trust. The number, again, is 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Investment Advisory Services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment uh, advisor. Okay, so I looked up the story on this Colorado trucker. Let me read this to you. Uh, The truck driver, 26, was found guilty in October of four counts of vehicular homicide and 23 other charges, including... Six counts of assault in the first degree, extreme indifference. 
10 counts of attempt to commit assault in the first degree, extreme indifference. Two counts of vehicular assault, reckless. One count of reckless driving and four counts of careless driving causing death. At the sentencing earlier this month, Colorado District Court Judge A. Bruce Jones said he was bound to the mandatory minimum sentencing laws in the state. On December 13th, we requested the minimum sentence allowed by law and discussed with the court the statutory procedure permitting the court to reconsider its sentence in an exceptional case involving unusual and extenuating circumstances, said the judge. Judge went on to say in the statement that reconsidering the sentence would not overturn the conviction, which King said was supported by the evidence in the case. Quote, it simply allows the court greater flexibility than an initial sentencing, she said. Leonard Martinez, one of uh, the driver's attorneys, told KMGH that the 110-year sentence is too long. Quote, I'm excited that at least for now, that there's options open for my client, and we're going to look at every action and option available to help this kid get his sentence reduced. He was driving 85 miles per hour in the semi-tractor trailer. When his brakes failed, he told investigators at the time, he crashed, causing a fiery 28-car pileup that killed four and injured others. The sentence drew immediate criticism and an online petition urging uh, Governor Jarrett Polis to reduce the driver's sentence or grant clemency and has gotten more than 4.7 million signatures. So that's where it's at. Yes. Just so everybody knows. All right. I mean, it, it is an extenuating situation here, I think. And But Dave, still it's an accident. Yeah. The worst part of, of all of it is when you have these mandatory sentences. You say he was going 85 mile an hour. That's because he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and he he would have been going even faster probably uh, if his brakes had failed earlier. Correct. Uh, keep in mind. Well, we didn't get to any car questions, but we talked about some important things. Well, I think we did, yeah. Yeah, you got, uh, you got truckers. There's a boycott going on right now. In Colorado, I'm I'm kind of trying to look that story up. I was checking it out. Boycott in California too, because they won't let nobody go in and get trailers. Oh, really? Yeah, if you're an owner operator and you don't have a 15 and above truck, you cannot go into California. Because you don't meet the requirements or don't something. Don't meet their EPA standards. <laughs> so, the state of California is holding all of those containers and on the docks or on those ships hostage. Yeah. Did you see where the one of the old Air Force bases? They have got them containers stacked six high mm-hmm. because they can't get nobody to come get them. And they got people out there that are breaking into them left and right. Yeah. Because they can't even protect them. They're looting them. Oh, yep. my God. Unbelievable. They say they got them stacked in neighborhoods, Dave. Got them stacked in front of people's houses. How do you like to go home and have one stacked in front of your house? Yeah. Unbelievable. So I'm getting new information here. Here's the boycott story now. Let me bring it up. Okay. And it says, so why are trucks boycotting Colorado? Chatter on social media is encouraging truck drivers to boycott Colorado. The calls are in response to more 
in a century-long prison sentence imposed on the trucker who caused a pileup on Interstate I-70 in 2019. The young, inexperienced truck driver has been sentenced to 110 years uh, behind uh, bars. And now the truckers are giving their answer to all of this. There are plenty of calls uh, that the guy should be found guilty, but the sentence is ridiculous. Sure. That's what they're saying. It is. So the, the truck drivers are just they're saying, you give me a load that I got to take to Colorado? Ain't going. I'm, I'm not going. That's it. I'm not going to do it. No. So what do you do then? Hmm? Do without. No, now it gets... Now it gets personal for everybody. Yes. As far as that's concerned. So anyway, that that's what's going on with that story uh, as far as that goes. All right. So with that said, let me say a Merry Christmas to you, Joe, and your family. Tell Susan I said Merry Christmas as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, Dave. Same and to you. I hope you would do that. Family. Same thing with your family, Doc. You got a lot more people to name, so I'll just say Merry Christmas to you and tell everybody else I said Merry Christmas. I will, and we do appreciate you, Dave, for everything you do through the year for we'll us. Get to, yep. We'll get back together next Thursday, and then we can say Happy New Year, and I take another four days off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off. I'm off tomorrow and off on Monday. So is Heidi. Enjoy our special programming that we have uh, set up for you. we got a Jerry Stewart. He does some great specials. He's got a Christmas special for you tomorrow. We'll play that at uh, 7 o'clock. What else you got in store for us tomorrow, Heidi? Do you got... Uh I believe we're going to do some more best of Bible guys and then okay. some more fun coming Monday. All right. There you go. Don't miss any of it. You have a great Christmas. I will see you on the other side on Tuesday. Thank you, Dave. Right have here at 101 Christmas. on The Answer. I wish I were with you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.